0: <laughs> Howdy, y'all! Uh, happy Monday, Russ and I are weary travelers. Uh, I have to say, uh, my experience was slightly, be- slightly better than Russ's, and a lot better than our friend Anthony Mangione, who's been on the show many a time. Because Anthony, Russ, I think you we were taking some glee yesterday at Anthony lo- losing his mind as he saw the leaving time of his plane move from four thirty to. Five thirty to six forty. I was thinking Glee. It was just, it was
1: amusing me. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. I was thinking Glee. It was just, I saw how it was. It was frustrating the hell out of him. And yeah. then I get it. Then we get a text last night that because his flight had changed from one terminal to the other. Well, when he got to Philadelphia, his bag, his bag wasn't there. Yeah. and,
1: and I had to to Philly by like an hour and change instead of just like ten minutes because. My fl- plane had its own futility, couldn't take off because it was too hot. That was one thing. And it, and there was some sort of sensor issue, right? Then then, then when they got to the destination, af- way after the time, because it was probably a 90-minute delay, mm-hmm. um, they didn't have anybody at the gate. So then we had to wait for someone to, to come to the gate. And it's like, you know, it's not like they didn't know we were coming. This plane was supposed to be there. It was supposed to get in around eleven oh nine, and it got in around 1230, 12.45, about twelve thirty, I think. By the time we got off the plane, and so I got home by like one thirty.
0: Yeah, and I um, won't, I won't, I won't bore everybody with my uh, luggage check-in thing. All I know is, if you get a ticket and you're in the back of the plane, and you don't want to check in your baggage you're screwed because basically if you're like the last 20 people on the plane, they're going to, yeah, they're going to force you to check in your bag and then it's basically like a, like like a lottery, whether you get it or not. I have to say though, it's an experience to try to write your blog, which I tried to do on my layover in Minneapolis with one, with I'm sitting at a table at a dairy queen right next to the, the gate and I have a guy walking by, basically waiting for me to get up so he can put the chair on top of the table so he can cl- close. Which that was one thing. And then I couldn't finish it there, so I had to on the plane before we took off, you know, type out. And I've got this monstrous uh, MacBook Pro, and you're you're typing like this because the seat is so close to you. I mean, just the 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 travel the travel stories. But we have to get to the food story because that was the big thing. I- I did go. I did go to Dealey Plaza, and that was historic and phenomenal. I, I, I you know, the the, the whole. It was interesting. It, it was, was interesting. very interesting. I'm a I'm a big history buff, so seeing seeing that and uh, and walking around Dealey Plaza and the grassy knoll and and uh, the picket fence, you know, I mean, it,
1: it, it was, so phenomenal. It was long, in that era. It was interesting for me. I saw some things from my childhood. I was only you know a month old when the uh, assassination happened, but obviously a lot of those other things that. It was showing there, you know, the moon walking. I watched that on television, you know, things like that. Like that was part of my childhood, so it was interesting.
0: Yeah, as, as somebody pointed out, I because I, I took a photo of me behind the behind the picket fence, and I says I promise that I'm not the second gunman. And somebody, a friend, a friend of mine, says, "Well, yeah, that that makes sense since you weren't born until four years later." I'm like, Thanks, right. I'm just making a joke. Um, Okay, but the food.
2: The food. Let's get to the food.
0: I, I you know I had two things. One was. Steely Plaza. The other one was finding some good barbecue. And Bill Meltzer, our friend uh, and hockey buzz colleague, picked out a place called the Pecan Lodge. And it was negotiated, but the Pecan Lodge was the place that we went to. And after a 45 minute wait, which, by the way, if we had waited an hour or two later, it would have been an hour and a half wait in sweltering conditions. I had the best barbecue of my life. It was incredible. Go ahead, Peter.
2: I was, I, I, so I saw your Instagram post and then I saw the post of you guys all sitting around. And this is where it all went terribly wrong for me. There's these nice plates, and you really hadn't dived in yet. Your faces were relatively clean. Your fingers weren't covered in grease. You didn't have napkins touched in your shirts. There were two beers on the table. Like, you can't eat barbecue without beer. Well, you can't,
1: you can't ostracize me because. I was one of the beers.
2: You were one, Russ, and, and God bless you. Because <laughs> that, I mean, it's not like you were sitting around drinking in in, 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 in the American Airlines Center all day. Right. It's not like, I mean, or maybe you were. And but, actually,
1: to clarify, Peter, I drank while I
0: was online. Because- yeah, half of the people drank beers while they are online waiting. Oh,
2: so- that's still weak sauce. I mean, <laughs> it's it terrible. <laughs> and, and I don't want to get into a nationalistic thing about the, you know, you know, American beer and sex in a canoe, but it's <laughs> <laughs> we wow. know what that is right, anyways. But I it's just very disappointing. You know, I was expecting, you know, I, I really wanted to see you guys, you know, with some proper ales, you know, really quaffing it down. A sample. you're gonna have that level of, of quality barbecue because it did look delicious. There's nothing wrong with the food. You should add like, you know, like a a nice little flight of different beers to go with it. Sample what went with the mac and cheese with the ribs.
1: Yeah, I did my part. I had fried okra. Like only one other person was like brave enough to order it because like they'd never had it or whatever. But I went to school in Houston. I knew fried okra is good. So I ordered that.
0: Yeah I had the I had the bacon macaroni and cheese and, and the angioplasty will be on Tuesday yep. but uh, it was it, it was it was phenomenal and uh you know if I never go to Dallas again I can say I had the best barbecue so pecan lodge thanks you, thank you and thumbs up okay let's get the show started cuz I'm sure everybody's bored of food I, I just want
2: to add that when you guys come to Vancouver next yes. year I'm going to take you down to Rec Beach and we'll we'll do lunch down there
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm looking for. I know you said Indian fusion. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a joke. Wreck Beach is a famous nude beach, Mike.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't know that, that. That would be fine as long as it's females. Uh, <laughs> and and Russ said he would. <laughs> Russ bristled at an Indian fusion. I'm looking forward to like Chinese or seafood or whatever. So.
2: Oh yeah, we can do dim sum.
1: We'll cross dim the bridge. I went to a dim sum place in Philly. It's awesome. Yep. Yeah,
2: we go for dim sum all the time and you don't need to be any, like, as long no. as you have a competent chef, you can have good dim sum.
0: No, no, dim sum's great. Hello, hockey world. Today is Monday, June 25th, 2018.
2: I'm Peter Tessier coming to you from Winnipeg today.
0: I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello in cool, beautiful Buffalo, New York. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com. Eklund will be back tomorrow. Um, We are ramping up. It is the five day negotiating window prior to free agency. We'll get to the Tavares talk in a second because it's going to be probably the dominant story of the next two or three days uh, with him uh, holding the. It's sort of the Brad Richards West. Uh, uh, situation at CAA and LA with all the teams going there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, let's start with the draft. Uh, we'll Good. start with uh, you know Russ. I, it was it was an it was not an eventful in terms of trades, but it was interesting oh, in, terms well, of how, in terms of how it broke down. And I and like we, we discussed discussed uh, over the last couple of days, the draft would have been very different had two things occurred or two things not occurred. Number three, Montreal taking Kotkaniemi, which we thought was a possibility uh, after uh, there was a lot of buzz about him and Montreal at the Combine or, or earlier this month. And then the surprising one was the Hayton pick at number five with, uh, with Arizona because that allowed Detroit, who had a great first round, to get – uh, Philip Zadina. So we'll just break down the early part of that draft.
1: Okay. So I, I, did find some things fascinating. There's no question, you know, by the time I went on serious pre-show I, I said that it was a really good chance that they were going to go with Coke Kinami and, and we kind of knew that. So getting, getting past that, I mean, I know that they're going to take a hit on that. Right. But, but here's what you don't know. For all we know, that kid was the top guy on their board. You don't know that he wasn't. And so for pe- people to sort of assume that that's the case, I think is faulty because again, I saw him play great in the five nations, like really, really great. And so I don't have a problem saying that this is a good pick. Now, if you want to tell me all these other guys are better, I'll say, yeah, maybe they are, but we'll wait and see. That's what you have to do. So so they definitely took a hit there. Now, I was a little bit more surprised with Barrett Hayton. But again, this was a situation where Arizona said that he was high on their board. So he was there and they took him. They didn't say they took him just because he was a center. Now, do I think it played into it that both these guys were as centers and ended in the top 10? Yeah, I do. I do think it played into it. But that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast right now because you can look around the league and see all the teams that don't have a top center or what you would call – a true number one center right so so there was that uh you know brady kachuk going to ottawa that was that was great for ottawa i mean it really was Quinn hughes falling to vancouver i did talk about that the day before saying that it was possible to a bunch of my vancouver friends and i i thought that was great i mean boca was going eight i'm not for that but that's okay it happened the crab stuff thing the rangers are getting beat up because Like me, I've only seen some highlights of them. Right. So everybody's, you know, going with the more familiar. Well, you could have had Wallstrom, you could have had Dobson, either one of those guys. But now they went to the Islanders. Now Ranger fans are pissed off. Yeah, but hold on. Pissed off simply because the Islanders took some players that they felt like could have gone there.
0: But they, but I think that they, you know, if if. There's this maybe disappointment on that point, but then they get Miller later in the first round. I think that was a real good move to to move up to get him.
1: It was a really good move. That that was um actually very, very smart because he had dropped some. And so that was something. Uh, you know, looking at it, I was a little surprised Ty DeLandre went 13, but he's a center. So that's you know, that is a running theme here. Uh I, I was surprised to hear some static about Denisenko at at 15. I think people need to watch him play again. This kid has some special abilities and the way he could dart in and out and, and and really put on some speed and has a very accurate shot. I I think they they may have missed it. Um for people well, that said ahead. I
0: was to say um a lot of people were lauding uh, the Islanders with the two back-to-back picks. I mean, I think they were the main beneficiary of the kotkaniemi Hayton, uh picks sort of causing a domino effect because well, it was 11, 11, 11 and 12, they get Wallström and then Dobson, and those guys yeah, were I, supposed I, to be top
1: seven, eight. Yeah, but again, supposed to be compared to consensus. Not com- Here's the thing. I would argue with you and say Ottawa was the first beneficiary because I have Kachuk ranked second. They got him fourth, and yeah. I think – I think Ottawa got a gift there. And I think that's something that could really help that franchise get on the map again when they need to. So that's something, but again, yes. Then after that, uh, they were beneficiaries. The Islanders, the Flyers were a beneficiary with Farabee. I had higher. hire. I, and I'm not saying that's a definite thing that he was big value there, but I think people are going to find over time that that's really good value there. The one the, another pick that you know people were like lukewarm on was Martin Kout. This guy's got a load of talent. I'm mm-hmm. sorry if he's sort of boring in an interview and because he's Czech, you don't get it. But when he's on the ice, this guy's really good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. that's all that matters, matters so Cal- your Cal-
1: Cal- Yeah. Yeah. So you know, even moving on from there, uh, the J. O'Brien Flyers pick. Flyers fans are all over that. You know, I did get to see him at the All-American Prospects game and had seen some video of him. And this guy will play in the NHL. So uh, if you want to nitpick about who was on the board, go ahead and do it. Um, San Jose, you know, if there's a team that could fix Merkley, they might be the one. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's. I mean, from from the Toronto perspective, there was a lot of speculation before the draft that if Merkley was there at twenty five, that they might they might take a flyer on him, and based on his, based on his his talent uh, isn't questioned. His his talent in the defensive end has been has been questioned a lot and his his character off the ice has been uh, something that's also been there and, and and i you know that that's the thing i i i don't know whether that would have worked out if he had gone to a bigger market like toronto with all the focus um but he you know he goes to san jose and they have an organization that might be able to get the best out of him so that is a best that's a best case scenario for him uh, let me just touch briefly cuz in the Toronto fans uh Sandine was uh he was projected to go around that point so it's not a it's not a flyer it's not something out on a limb he's a pretty decent prospect the only thing i took out of it is that um Kyle Dubas with his first first round pick went where he was comfortable uh, he knows the, the scouting in Sault Ste. Marie. He knows the the general manager, who I believe it was his former assistant when he was the GM of yep. the Greyhounds. Um, he, he's a big fan of the Greyhounds being from uh, the Sioux. So he's watched Sandine a lot. So if you know, I think that there was a, a base of, of the Leafs draft pick draft picks that were based on their familiarity with these players, and you can say that a lot of teams do that. But I think more than you know, with his first draft, I think he relied on that. A couple of their picks later on in the draft were kids that were at their rookie development camp last year, and then they draft them. So I, I don't think that I'm not saying it as a criticism. I think that's smart when you're you know maybe you're not buying into the the scouting of the previous administration that has left and you want to want to base everything on what you know as a so maybe these picks are more on him than it is on on the on the scouts of the Hunter administration but we'll see 3 or 4 years down the road whether these are
1: successful or not right i'll say this Again, okay, peter no no i was just you go
2: ahead russ i got a question after this okay.
1: one i'll say this like sandine was a guy that was just outside my first so i think the pick's fine I think he's an excellent player. He's an excellent offensive player. Uh, I like Kalen Addison better. I just do. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about it. I I just think it's one of those situations where I only like Addison better because there's upside there that I think after he learns how to get in better condition, Mm -hmm. that will take him to another level. And if you already look at the kind of points he had, which I want to say he had about 65 points – Um, Hold on. And he was taking 53rd. So, like, this is just, you know. So,
0: it it wasn't just Toronto that, you know, I mean, he, I mean, I don't know where you had him on here. What's that?
1: Yeah. Addison had 65 points and he had 19 and 16 games. I liked Addison better than even Sandine. But, you know, again, but I struggled with Sandine. Like, I had him in there, I had him not in there. So, I'm not going to kill him for the pick. I think the pick's fine. I just, I think that. They did go with their strength, like you said, they went with what they knew. They certainly left a lot of people on the board. So that's gonna leave lead to guessing. That's all, Peter.
2: Yeah, Russ, I was gonna just ask a question here. We had the we had the crown jewel um in in Rasmus Delin, and he obviously number one and and also defenseman. But then you jump down a little bit, and not until number seven is another defenseman taken. And that's in Quentin Hughes. And then right. you have Ada at Adam Bach Bo- is it Boqwist? Boquist. Yeah, Boquist. Boquist. And then you have um and then at 10, you have Bouchard. Now I don't think any of those teams expected those players to be exactly there where they were. And we know that Cherelli was delighted to have Bouchard end up at 10. Did any of these guys drop too much? And who out of the three, who's got the best upside?
1: Uh, well, see, here's the thing. I right, so wait, so name the three again because I think you named one that I was Bo- 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 and yeah. Bouchard, right? So I, I think Bouchard's too high. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think he dropped it all in my eyes, but okay, I get what you're saying uh, I guess you're, you know Bouchard would be the guy going 10 to uh Edmonton. That was a little surprising, but not overly surprising because there were some that feel like maybe he's at his ceiling now. Right. And that's, you know, one of those situations because he's a big, already physical, you know, looking specimen. So that's that's something. You know, there is a, another thought here, too, and we'll never know the answer. The Rangers took Niels Lundqvist, who really was great at the Five Nations, almost as good as Boquist at times. And that's where I think he really got everybody's attention. They sort of knew about him before, yeah. but I think really shined there. And yeah. he got taken the pick before. I think if he was on the board, there's a chance that the Leafs would have taken him because there's a tremendous amount of upside in this kid, power play and otherwise. Yeah,
0: I remember listening to your your show on SiriusXM and Mark Edwards and, and Shane Malloy were saying that they when they saw Holunquist, they thought it was Boquist. His style yeah. was very similar. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but, but but to answer your question, Peter, it's like I think Hughes went where most projections thought he was going to go, like latter half of the of the top ten but Bouchard I mean I thought everybody thought Bouchard and and Dobson were gonna go top five top six maybe top yeah. seven and I think they're again they fell because the you know teams out there decided to move up center as a as a uh as a priority and I, I'm not saying I don't think I don't think Cook and Yemi and, and Hayton are bad picks or bad prospects I just think they were picked higher than I expected him to. Yeah. So that's. I think Ooh. that threw everything out
2: of whack. I think one of the interesting things about this draft was is you really only had about three or four truly set guys that you knew were going to go high. Right. Right. Like, the yeah. real, this wasn't a, an outrageously intriguing draft. I mean, it is intriguing, but it became more intriguing when you saw how things developed. And, and as I watched it on Saturday, you start reading stuff, or Friday night, and then you start reading stuff around, and then Saturday r- more details come out you start to realize that you know and, and the the argument being don't draft for need draft for best player available but some of the teams that maybe drafted for need also took the player i think they felt was the best player available to them and and the argument for need is your good. needs are going to change in 3 years right. but for a guy like coach tiemi he's probably not going to be there for 3 years montreal just needed centers they needed anything that could give them someone up the middle Peter, right? there was, and there it was, doesn't matter if he turns it if he if he steps on the ice in in October or if it's October twenty twenty. There like was they no, need to have that in their organization, and I think the same with Ottawa and the same with other teams. And that's what I found really interesting about this draft was you could say you drafted for need, but no, I don't think any of these teams are saying we need this guy right now.
0: Well, no, I and mean, there was talk from some people that I was talking to at the draft that said that Montreal likes him so much that they it's it's conceivable that they could put Kotinyemi on their roster this year, which I think is a mistake. Yeah. I, I really do know. I, you know. I mean, they know, you know, these teams know more, hot, more about their players than I do, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, usually as a rule of thumb, unless it's a superstar like a Matthews, right. you, know, you don't rush an 18-year-old. You, you into know the what?
2: The best example Montreal could take is look at Mark Shifley. And when Shifley came into the league in the preseason, he was lighting it up. Yeah, he got about seven games in 2011. All of a sudden, there's no the guys wall. trying to. F- the game tightened up really quick. Yeah, and they're like no, you're not ready yet. Then he came back and they tried again in the lockout shortened season. Yeah. which was a benefit to Shifley anyways. But that's gonna ha- that could happen in a year anyways.
1: Yeah, right? or two years. Sorry. Yeah, so I would you never put him in. And look
2: right and look what he became. If you if you get him in the right program and yeah. you work with the junior team and you work with what's that – there's a huge advantage to not rushing guys as long as you're developing them in the proper way. Yeah.
0: yeah 2000, I would. 2000, 2010 in, in, in the preseason, the, 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 the biggest surprise for the Leafs was Nazem Kadri, and he really didn't be, and, and, and they, they sent him back to junior and you know what? He didn't become a good, consistent NHL player until 2016 or 2017. So it took six years, seven years Mm -hmm. for him to really round out. And that's, you just don't rush these players. So uh, anyway.
1: uh, He's only going to be 18 in July. There's no way I'm putting him in there. I don't care how good he looks.
0: Now, okay, there were two significant transactions that occurred during the draft, which is a little disappointing. There were a lot of, you know, trade up, trade down scenarios, but, um, the one one was the signing of Ilio Kobolchuk. And this is the thing. His agent came out and it, it, the, the talking points with negotiations was he wants a Patrick Marlowe contract. That was what that was what was, was discussed. Well, Peter, he got the exact same contracts, three years, 6.25 million. and I'm shaking my head and saying, this is nuts, especially for a team that supposedly wants to get quicker. And as Russ
2: said, Kovalchuk is not fast anymore. No, he's 35. And here's the thing. At least Marlowe was playing in the fastest league and he was playing in, in, in on, a, on a good club and that he has almost defied a little bit of father time up to that date. Kovalchuk's been away for four years. We have no idea what his legs look like in the NHL and look at how the NHL's changed in four years to youth and speed. When he left, we still had, it it was, it was transitioning to something. Now the, the NHL is a track meet. And can you imagine Kovalchuk trying to keep up with Vegas or Washington in the finals? If he was on either of those teams.
1: I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, I know someone who covers the KHL, like, So I've always checked in about Kovalchuk, and he did get benched in the playoffs recently. And so there are those things. I'm sure he's working on getting better skating condition this summer. I'm sure of it, which means he'll probably lose weight. Um, The other thing is, look, John Tavares isn't a track meet guy either, and he does play a similar game in the the way they go about their business. So he certainly can survive. He's going to live a lot off the power play. We know that. I think he's you know a fifty-five point guy. I think he'll he'll help the Kings, but the the amount that they paid him in a term is nothing I would be a fan of. So but, you know, Russ, that
2: that's a really good point. Like I I, I think he can help them, but if it costs you, the Kings are already not in a great cap situation. Right now they're in an even worse one, and if he can help you um, at six point two five. That's fine, but for three years, what if he says, no, it's not working for me, I'm gone, pulls the retirement thing again, you're still on the hook for the salary.
0: Right, it's a 35 and over contract. It's a
2: 35 and over deal, but what's the expense to the Kings if he maybe is only a 40-point guy, but you've got to play him because he's your – He's your big off season acquisition. It's a lot. And, and, right. Like and now you've got the trickle down effect of well, if we can't fill this in because we've got Kovalchuk. Right. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong. LA also wants to have a chat with um Tavares.
0: He's not right. part of he's not part of the group. They oh, wanted to, okay, so that, that was,
2: was rumored. Kovalchuk, they were out. That was rumored that he was going to be there. Okay. Sorry. Which they
0: they probably, they maybe they knew before they made this move because they figured, okay, if we're going to get an audience with Tavares, we could hold off on Kobolchuk. And now we know we're not going to get an audience with him. So this is plan B, but I just think I look at their roster and we know that Dustin Brown got better and quicker last year. It was sort of a Renaissance for him. And Kopitar bounced back as well, but all the talk has been since they got eliminated from Vegas is we got to get faster. You didn't get faster with Kovalchuk. And now there was talk about Skinner cause he's just quick. And now I think that's out because I don't think they can afford him on a one-year deal. I, I don't know where they're going. I think they're going to be the same slow team, except they have now another slow of elderly player who might be able to bounce
1: back. But I. I they do I, have some youth that are going to try and make the squad. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them dead just yet. I mean, Vlar- I, is already ready?
2: Here, let me let, okay, let me run something down to you. LA's top salary guys take up, there's four of them. They take up almost $27 million in cap. Here's yeah. their age, 30,
1: 35, 33, 33. Yeah. Now- but, not, but the counter argument is their next tier guys which will be Velarde and Kempi or whatever, don't take up much space at all. So that does counterbalance it. So it is it is possible to counterbalance this.
0: But we're thinking about, we're forgetting one thing. They they still have to sign Doughty. And I I yeah. seriously doubt that Doughty will be the highest paid defenseman on this new contract. Well, yeah, I mean, until to,
1: got eight something. Doughty's got to get 10 something.
0: He's got to get, get at least 10. He's got to get the equal of Kopitar. And if he doesn't, then right. he's gonna test free agency next year because I don't think they'll trade him.
1: But they won't trade him.
2: Okay. The other Russ, one I mean, yes, they've got other guys, just to that point, but they've also got to get out from under some contract things to get those guys in there.
1: Well, I like, don't know. Do they have any buyout candidates? I don't know.
0: Well, they traded their buyout candidate in Gabrick. Right.
1: They might have another one though that we're not thinking about.
0: And and took and took back FNUF, but at least FNUF, the money that they're spending yeah. on FNUF is in an area where they needed bolstering which was on defense
2: so yeah. and he actually so, played- i mean they have matt green on buyout i mean i guess they could i don't know i don't know what they do <laughs> like it's it's not pretty
0: no, it's not. I, 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 don't, I didn't. I didn't understand the move. The move from their perspective, especially since they, 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 sort of admitted that there's that the lack of speed against Vegas was was a detriment to them, and they really didn't address it. So now I think they're slow. They're just as slow. Maybe they're a little deeper, and but they spent a lot of money on a guy who you know might still be good, but I mean we'll see. The other, the other uh, big, the
1: other thing is too. They, they, they might try and get Voynov back well regardless of what you think about it
0: well I mean okay I mean right now their defense I mean Voynov would probably be a bottom pairing guy I mean you're talking you're talking Martinez you're talking uh Dowdy you're talking uh Muzzin and you're talking Faneuf he's a bottom pairing guy and you're not going to pay you're not going to pay a bottom pairing defenseman for four and a half million dollars. So I don't think they can uh, afford the luxury of. I think boy, first of all, I think it's I think public relations wise, it's a disaster if he goes back to LA. Doesn't mean they're not doing it. Doesn't mean they're not doing it, but I think it's a it's a disaster. And if they want to handle that, they want to go through that fine. But I I think more than likely they're going to probably have to tr- they're probably going to have to trade him now you know if any some other team wants to to, to deal with that problem the, you know and he gets that the um, the uh offense that he uh that occurred expunged off of his record then we'll we'll see where things go and then i don't know where that stands right now but uh, let's let's talk about the trade uh that happened during the draft which um from a perspective well i i i, I don't get this deal in a few Ways, I think it's even if Adam Fox signs with Carolina, but I think right now, as it stands, Calgary got the distinct advantage getting Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm for uh, Michael Furland, um, Michael Fur- Furland, Dougie Hamilton, and uh, and and the rights to Adam Fox. R- Ross, what did you think of the deal?
1: Yeah, I think there's. You could say there's a little advantage today and Fox is going to be the, the counterbalance there because Fox is a, you know, second pair in D man, like a number three. So when you, when you look at that situation, look, I, Carolina wasn't going to be able to sign those guys. Right? So do I think they got good value for the fact that they couldn't sign those guys? Yeah, I do. The key will be Fox and it will be up to Fox because I think he's going to play out his string at Harvard and then decide what he's going to do. So if Carolina becomes a really good team, then and has an opening. He might stay. He might. So we'll see. I mean, that's, that one's going to be interesting. Uh, as I said, yes.
2: it was believed that Fox had told Calgary, I'm not coming.
1: Like, it's a Calgary. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we,
1: we don't like, to maybe, Carolina
2: is probably much more preferable to him to right. sign a deal,
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, he, he must've gave, you know, Carolina, at least a hint that yeah, I kind of like it in that in that part of the country.
0: Well, uh, well, I see. I don't think it's that. I, I think he okay. I think he looked at Calgary with five defensemen on their NHL roster, and then Rasmus Anderson, Oliver Shillington, and UC Velamaki as in, in terms of prospects, and said you know, where am I going here? It's like, I, I'm going to be uh,
1: just as loaded
0: here. Exactly. And that's, that's why I think we have the, we have the makings of a Jimmy VC on defense. And there's well, we no,
1: because two years from now, Justin Falk will probably be gone. And then Adam Fox could step in. Maybe, but I'm sa- I'm
0: saying r- r- When he completes his senior year this year, and he's a free agent by August 15th, he can choose where he wants to go. Like Will Butcher did like Jimmy
1: VC did. I think I, that if they get rid of Falk in the interim.
2: Yeah. I, I look let's not let's not um forget that Caroline is open for business. Yes. And and given their I mean given the fact that they just got Dougie Hamilton and sure they gave up Hannafin in that. Um there are going to be GMs calling Don Waddell saying you can't play that many guys in your prospects. Who do you want to get rid of? Right. right. Like it, it's gonna be happening. But I, I think here's the thing. I mean, look, I, I I get a lot of Western Canada stuff in my feed. I follow it a lot. It's you know, it's sort of where it's I've always been. There is a lot of concern about what Calgary is trying to do, and I just saw a great tweet about two minutes ago that said Calgary's handling the Hamilton trade about with their, Calgary's PR around the Hamilton trade is being handled about as well as they have their arena deal. And there is some damage control going on here because a lot of this doesn't make sense. If you're Carolina, you got the best player in the deal, you got salary, you got salary assurance, cost, certainty. cost yeah. certainty. You've got Furland for one more year at 1.75, and you've got a prospect, a top, a good prospect in Fox, and you had to give up guys you didn't want to sign. Um, because you, you weren't sure what you hadn't had in them and you got to remember a new regime, we know what we ha- they have, but you didn't, you didn't like where the contracts are going. So you, you, you eliminated that exposure and you sort of, you took on something that's not going to matter in your market if Hamilton really is this odd duck, so to speak, and that's, that's the saddest thing about this was, you know, within half an hour of that trade happening. All of a sudden, here come the talking heads with this information about Hamilton. And that's the kind of thing that happened in Montreal with Galchenyuk. And I really don't like it. If there's a problem with the player, like deal with the problem and then shut your yap. Yeah, but these guys have to like, let it be an industry thing. Yeah. Not something that fans have to deal with in that case. Because you know what? We've all worked in places where there's a super talented guy, whether it's with numbers, programming, flipping burgers. Maybe he doesn't go out and hang out with all the rest of the staff. Maybe he's a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a different dude, but you love working with him because he's so good at his job. If that's Dougie Hamilton, you got to come up with better stuff than that, Calgary.
0: But these teams are interested in damage control, even before the damage has been set. Yeah, and then, they, just,
2: they and, didn't damage control on they lit, they lit a jerry can on fire because Here. no one believes that because he went doesn't want to go to Moxie's.
1: Like, give me a break. <laughs> here's the okay, so here's the thing. I, I've been tracking him for a very long time, and even in his draft year, you know, at the, I guess the second day of the draft, wherever it was, rode the bus with him had a long conversation with I've interviewed him four or five times since then. He's a very smart kid. Mm-hmm. And I think what's hard for some people to get is it's not that he's not a good teammate. It's just that he has an off day. There are sometimes people want to be by themselves. And if he wants to be by himself and go to a museum or read a book, what the hell is wrong with that? Yeah. He's intellectual. He's a doctor. He could be yeah. a doctor when he hangs up his skates. Yeah. And that's why I've, I've been defending that for the last two or three days because I don't understand it. I'll give you my own
2: You mean the guy's going to do something that educates him and stimulates his brain instead of going out and getting drunk at a, at a bar and hitting yeah, on waitresses? You, yeah, Sign and,
1: me up. Yeah,
0: like, but the 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 prop the problem is is that it's all about team camaraderie. It's all about everyone pulling together and when you got somebody who is an outlier and I'm at def- I'm at, I mean I'll take Dougie Hamilton on a team that uh, that I'm putting together any day he's an immense talent he's a right-hand shot he's great offensively you know but I think that you know some teams and some players have problems with players like that and it's not fair but it's a it's but a reality I, I
1: you an example Mike yeah. I'm gonna bring my own life example into it when I play softball every year. Most years I play with a team of people that I know at least a few people mm-hmm. but I've done it with people I don't know either right the people I don't know, I have a lot of fun when I play. I'm a good teammate. I don't hang out with them. Even even the team that I'm on now, I know, you know, a few people. I haven't hung out with them yet this year, but they love me as a teammate. We have fun when we play. I may go out with them once or twice this year, I probably will. But that's just not a focus for me. My focus for me is to to play and have fun when I play and I enjoy it. And I I bet it's similar for him. And then off ice he's a different person. Like who cares?
0: Yeah. Now, you, now the,
1: you know, the- just Go ahead, to, Mike. Just, just to,
0: to, to come to your point, Peter, and I, and I agree with it. Cal, one thing Calgary did, I think Calgary got the player advantage because I like Lindholm and I've always liked Hannafin. But they're going to end up, if they're signing Hannafin to an extension, they're going to end up paying him more than Hamilton's making. Hamilton's making 5.4. I think Hannafin's going to be probably asking for five five to 6 with the increased yeah. amount of the salary cap. So they're not saving any money there. And I think Hamilton is a more – certain talent. I mean, he's a little older and he, you know, you don't know where Hannafin's going to go. I think he's going to be a really good player, but it's right now still all potential. He's getting on that road, but it's not dead set that he's going to be. I want
1: to address something in the chat room. Cause I think it's interesting for one second. Yeah. So obviously Evgeny Svechnikov's the brother of Andre. And you know, there've been some people that have talked about, will they try and get him because you know, they want to keep the brothers together. I got to tell you something the other day in the <laughs> hotel, I lost my phone. I left it down for a minute because I went to go, you know, chat with some media buddies and then I checked my pockets and I realized, oh, I better go back to the chair that I was at because I didn't have my phone. And sure enough, Shane had my phone and he said, you can go thank that young man who, who found it. I tapped him on the shoulder. It's a Gennie So I want to say thanks again to him. That was really nice that he found my phone. So, you know, but there's a lot of talk. Will the brothers play together? I doubt it, but it could happen.
0: Yeah, that's possible. Uh, this just the just to finish. Elias Lindholm, I've liked for a while, but he's an RFA, and there was talk before the trade that Carolina and him and his representatives were nowhere close. Right. You know, I don't know where that's going to go with Carol with the, with Calgary, but Calgary can come to the point of view that well, you haven't done anything for us. You're a new team, so it might be a bridge deal situation. Right. And it right. could be the same as Furland because Furland is a free agent next year. And he's probably going to expect to be paid. So I don't know if they just pushed things down the road, but they really didn't improve themselves in terms of the money aspect. But they may have improved themselves in terms of talent. Right.
2: Yeah, I. I you know, this whole thing is interesting. And you know what I kind of forgot about, and I should have picked up on it on Saturday and, and everything was, I forgot that Bill Peters is the Calgary coach. Yes. Right. And and I didn't. You know, I didn't really. You know, I kind of tuned out after the first round, getting on with my weekend and stuff and never thought about this. So, I mean, what role did he have in suggesting this? But the other thing is, if Hamilton was the odd duck, that's all I'm going to call him is the odd duck, okay? Gullison's track record with the Flames is not that great. And, you know, while well, he managed to scoot them into the playoffs, things went wrong. And Hamilton... Given his on-ice results and what happened when he was on the ice, he certainly was the on-ice problem. No. And you'd have to convince me that he was such. I don't know how you could convince me, actually, that he was such a negative effect. The trade him was going to give you a different vibe in the locker room that was going to produce that was going to correct the other on-ice issues, and if you had to trade him. Don't you think you might want to let a guy like Bill Peters have a little bit of time with them first? That's what I find curious about this.
1: I think there was a speed factor in this trade, though, that they probably didn't have the opportunity. But the other, the other point is, hey, if TJ Brody's good in the room or great with the guys, he had a lousy year. Yeah. Well, and 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 that was one of the things
0: that was said immediately after the deal, and I do buy this after talking to Sean Vetter, who said the combination of Hamilton of uh, Brody and, uh, uh, Travis Hamanick did not work now with this deal. What it's going to be is Brody goes back with Giordano and that was a dynamite pairing. And now they'll put Hannafin, Hannafin with the stay at home, Travis Hamanick, and it allow Hannafin to jump into the offense more left, right, left, right. It it fits perfectly. Uh, I just, you know, I, I like Hamilton and I think Hamilton could, could flourish in Carolina um, but I mean, we'll see. I, it, it was an interesting deal, and it, it was a fairly complex it one. Really now,
1: we Not to talk about other than draft picks, right? So,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, now,
1: uh, last yesterday, that, look for people in the chat room. We know there were minor deals. We know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not going to. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not gonna talk about Ma- going to talk about Michael Chappu going to going to Chicago. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you know. It's, I mean, come on. No. The, the now yesterday, as we were boarding our flights, or getting ready to pull our hair out of whatever hair we have left on our heads. Um, the uh, the announcement came of John Carlson's contract extension, which we could see after the uh, Orpik-Grubauer deal, which we didn't really mention, and we should actually mention that a bit. Um, now, Grubauer goes to Colorado uh, along with orpic for a second-round pick. The sec- It was only a second because um, – Washington basically was getting payment back in terms of getting rid of the final year of Orpex five and a half million dollar contract. Uh, Colorado has now bought, is now bought him out. He's cleared waivers and he's now an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, he, he could go back to Pittsburgh. You can't go back to Washington because he can't, he, that's prevent, a, a, not permitted by the CBA, but he can go someplace else. And at his point in his career, you know, maybe he takes a one year deal, go someplace and tries to win another Stanley cup. Um, but that enabled Brian McClellan to be able to lock up Carlson on eight years, at sixty-four million, which is eight million per less than ekman Larson. So the third-ranked contract, and Peter, that's low. He took less to stay in Washington.
2: Yep. But it's eight years. Yes.
0: He's twenty-seven.
2: Yeah. You know I. Y- Again, you can't, I think it's really hard to place, um, a value on what's familiar and comfortable. And the fact that someone's going to give you $8 million a year over eight years, I mean, what's an extra half million worth or another million worth to you over seven years, right? Like, so it's 9 million over seven it's 63 versus 64. And you're with the guys who you've won with coming off a big high. Is it the right move for Washington? I think they'd probably like to have saved a little money on it, but I don't think they completely crippled themselves right now. But any, any deal like that, you're always going to have a little bit of skepticism on it. And there should be because they're dangerous. That's just the fact of life. They're dangerous deals in this cap age.
1: Here's where I failed at my job. I thought, you know, two years ago, I would have bought Brooks Orpik out, right? To sign yeah. Carlson. Right. And I thought, hey, because they love Orpik so much that they're keeping him and now it's going to be hard to keep Carlson. But what I didn't really have a chance or enough time to factor in, but thought about it a few days ago was you know, Orpic was Trotz's guy. He liked him in the room. Mm-hmm. He liked that veteran present. Trotz mm-hmm. isn't there anymore.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if Orpic signs with the Islanders.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> they're losing Calvin to Han. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that might be a one, a one year deal where he comes in to stabilize, but
1: yeah. So that's the thing. I didn't really, you know, I didn't have enough time to really process that. And I think that was a, a big factor, but that's a big thing for Washington because they needed to keep John Carlson. They did, uh, you know, good for them.
0: Now, everything from now until Wednesday or Thursday. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure this is going to get to Sunday, July 1st, because if it does, then it's feeding frenzy time, and um, he it could it, he could go anywhere. Probably, I'm talking about Tavares. Um, oh, I thought going to
1: talking about Carter Hutton. It's the summer of Carter
0: Hutton. I don't know what great. you're talking. I mean, come, yeah, no, please, yeah, Carter Hutton's got 10, 10 teams interested in him. It, 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 I'll tell you something right now. It's like the the goal t- the goaltending scenario. I mean, the domino effect. Grubauer going to Colorado, I think, puts Varlamov in the market for teams that are looking for goaltenders. He's got one year left at 6, which is 5.9. It's a little pricey. Craig Anderson apparently wants out of Ottawa. There's another name. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement in the goaltender scenarios here. But, I mean, I think that's all going to fall by the wayside until Tavares gets uh, right. I don't
2: think Varlamov's going to move, Mike. I you think that was the natural progression after this next year. And
0: you think they'll split. Well, I mean, Grubauer is capable of being a number one if Varamov gets worked. hurt like he normally does.
2: Yeah, so exactly. And that's the thing. And, and, and they tried with Bernier. It didn't work. Although Bernier in the regular season, just at, at all strength, he put up a 9-13 save percentage. I mean, yeah. that's nothing on not that's that's what you need your backup to do is play at least average. The
1: problem and with he, Bernier is it's just he's he's getting a little short for this league. He is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's I agree. I agree, Russ. I, I agree. No, but, that's but the yeah, problem. It's a great
1: time to be Carter Hutton. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Carter
0: Hutton's gonna hit Carter Hutton's gonna hit the jackpot. I don't think he's a number one goaltender. Some people based on his Thirty-two games last year are gonna think he can handle a one A one B scenario, and maybe he can. I don't. I have nothing against the guy. It's Act that has something against him. Um, <laughs> but, but to just go to Tavares here uh, to finish off the show here, because I mean, I, I think everything's gonna get held up on July first until Tavares. Um, you know, decides, but it could happen. I mean, I could be driving up to puck talks on Wednesday up in Toronto. And like a few years ago, when Suban Weber, Hall Larson and Stamkos happened, it could happen on Wednesday when I'm driving up the QEW that Tavares decides to re-up with the Islanders. And I think that, that is the most likely of the options, but and I know Russ is of this mind, and I'll let him say it for himself. I think it's not a long shot that he goes to one of three or four different places. Now, today, it's – I mean, the, the, the teams that will be meeting with him in L.A. at the offices of CAA, and that's why I compared it to Brad Richards from a few years ago, it's and – they're not all today. It's over the next three days. Boston, Dallas, San Jose, Tampa Bay, Toronto – And a number of teams are taking. I may be missing one. There are a number of teams are going to be doing phone interviews. Teams that are not included are Vegas, which we thought they would be, and the Montreal Canadiens. were told we're not interested. So, you know, I I don't know if you have any favorites there, Russ. I mean, I I think of the of the non-Islander teams that San Jose, Toronto, are one two because because of what they could offer in terms of. Not just money, but in terms of support.
1: Yeah, I'm going San Jose 1 like they've been for a while. And, and I'm going Dallas 2, Vegas 3. Um, but, but here's the thing. I really do think Tavares has just lived through too many bad times in that organization. He's been a good soldier. He's kept his mouth shut. He, he's been just great. I mean, Islander fans love him, but now they're starting to turn on him. I see things online where they're, you know, for the last year where they're like, we don't need you. I'm sure he's looked at that. I'm sure he has that feeling in him too. And that doesn't get talked about a lot now because those are things Lou can't overcome. Like all Lou could overcome is saying, this is what I'm doing since I've got here. This is the team that I'm building. I hope you'll be a part of it. But even when you saw the quote from Lou, it's pretty much, you know, what we expected. Like, hey, go ahead and check out, you know, what you want to do. It's your right. Right. So At the end of the day, I think some team is going to be smart enough to come up with a number they don't believe the Islanders will pay, and I think Tavares will leave.
0: But to this point, yeah.
1: to this point,
0: Lou hasn't. I mean, he's made two great first round picks. He hasn't gotten the goaltender. Right. He could have traded for one. He hasn't. He hasn't done anything in terms of the roster or signed anybody. Really, it's in. They're in a holding pattern because. If you go out and trade for a goaltender and Tavares still, and do a couple other things, and Tavares leaves, then you basically are were trying to get this team to be more competitive. Yeah. When without Tavares, you're probably not a playoff team. And they I think there's are still good
1: a team. team. That's what'll happen.
2: Yeah. No. To your point, Russ, I think it'd be a really interesting point about being a good soldier. But probably hearing some of the stuff online, you know, stuff that's around, like the, the attitude he's been that's around changed. the island. For well, a year now. Here's yeah. here's the thing that if you're if he's aware of that. What happens if he signs in Toronto and Toronto's not any better and the same things are happening in Toronto? Like what happens think, if that
1: Well, I don't think it's going to matter because at the end of the day, this is only started because Islander fans felt like he was leaving. Right. He's not going to go to Toronto and play badly, so I don't think it's going to be... I'm not saying
2: that. I'm just saying the results in Toronto don't change. Toronto's a good team, Yeah,
1: but but they've been exceptional
2: goaltending, and they've survived on some other things in spite of defense. So adding more offense may not change Toronto. Peter, that can happen anywhere. Nothing is guaranteed. I'm just saying, I'm talking about fan base, though. And if you're not there, get ready for steroids in Toronto.
1: You know what I mean? Like, when the Clarks revered, he didn't win anything. Like, he'll just fall into the boat of other Leafs, unfortunately, that maybe haven't won. Yeah, but I, had-
0: I, I, I honestly I honestly don't think that that he would be – if if he goes to Toronto and they don't have any success over the next two or three – now, it depends on what we're talking about here because there are scenarios out there, and I don't think that they're going to go for them. But I know that Act tweeted about this earlier – Um, the the number of people were talking about since the Leafs have $25 million in cap space this year of the one year max deal, which would be at $15.9 million. And then at, on January the 1st, they can extend him for eight years. Now they can't do that immediately. That's circumventing the cap, but they can say, we're going to begin negotiations in January and then sign him to a deal. And that would be, that would be legal now. The benefit for Toronto would be you you know, or the benefit for Tavares is he's getting, he's getting a lump sum in one year, and then if he signs in Toronto, likes what's going on, then he, you know, we don't know what the amount would be if that's that's the case, but you know, it could be ten, it could be eleven, it could be the same amount that he's getting uh, offered from the Islanders, which is eleven million times eight years. Uh, I I think he keeps his options open because if things are working in Toronto and everything is beautiful going through the first three or four months and he likes where things are going, then he might very well sign that contract. And if not, as long as he doesn't have a catastrophic injury, he can be the biggest free agent on in the 2019 free agent class.
1: Zero percent chance. I'm just letting you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of variables here, Mike, and it's, it's definitely something they can do. I think you've got to go back and look at the player and say, he and his agent have figured out what they want. And now they're waging who can who can best offer it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If I had to put a sleeper team out of the ones there, out of the five that are listed, it's San Jose. And I, I don't think,
0: think I don't think they're a sleeper. I think I think, well, they're, I um, think they're, they're. the think people option. But they're the number one option. But the thing is, in terms of. Uh, I mean, they could win a cup this year with, Thor- they're probably going to re-sign Thornton, but you have Couture and Pavelski on the last year of deals. There's, there's a number of players that they have to get re-signed to keep them in the strong position that they are. And they probably will be able to do that because they, they, they've managed their cap fairly well. But there are others. I mean, honestly, would you, Russ, look at Boston. Uh, put, Tavares on the Bruins and then maybe a year down the line they either buy out or trade Krejci. You're talking about a one two combo of Bergeron and Tavares at the middle with all the young players that they have coming up who are not having to be paid for two or three years. That's a scenario that's scary you know, them or or Tampa Bay with the way you know those are those are scary scenarios.
1: Oh yeah, there's no question. And that's why I, I think those possibilities do exist. I think the Sharks are the uh, the number one choice, though, simply because they can compete for the Stanley Cup immediately with him. Yep. They've moved things around. They've got a mixture of young and old. They have a great goalie. When we start talking about all these other teams, really Nashville is the only other one that could offer that and I haven't really seen if they're yeah. confirmed whether they're in the list.
0: Nash, unless they're the one of the teams that's doing a phone interview. And if, you, three if you're doing phone interviews now, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're doing if you're doing phone interviews when people are making face face to face presentations, I think that lit, that mitigates your either your commitment or the likelihood that he's going to go there. So I think yeah, that there's some,
1: there's, there's some people that could that can get it done on the phone too. Here's the thing: just because I'm doing a phone interview, still doesn't mean I'm not emailing you my digital you know my digital presentation and my powerpoint presentation and my breakdown of players i can still get all that to you now one
0: thing and i have to i have to mention this because uh it was reported by darren Drago this morning and i don't put this in the category of the mayor of the city of toronto and the ceo of canadian tire being part of the stamp coast presentation because i think that you know That was a little over the top, but again, I think it, with Stamkos, it was more the fact that the Leafs were a 30th place team and we didn't know what Marner, Matthews, and Nylander were going to be. So he was going to be looked upon as being the savior. Uh, to, apparently, Darren Drager reported this morning that part of the Leafs' presentation regarding Tavares is going to be offering him the team captaincy, if that means anything. Now he that doesn't mean he takes it doesn't mean that he wants it. If he if he wants to go to Toronto, I,
1: I would be very surprised if that's true. No no slight to the report that's out there, but I don't think any team ever offers that. So I don't think the Leafs would offer that. Okay, that's just All me. Right.
0: Okay. Um, all right, guys. We will uh, we'll end it there, and we'll be back to tomorrow with a, another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. We will we'll have Eklund back. Uh, probably be a later show around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I'll be going to the Leafs rookie uh, development camp up in Toronto. Um, Russ has some things, <laughs> things, some some things to do, so we'll have a later afternoon yeah, show. See,
1: if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see why.
0: Yes, there you go. Uh, for Peter Tessier, for Rusko, and I'm Michael Ajello. thank you for watching and remember without the buzz, it's just hockey. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone